It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Football Social Daily. Premier League Updates. This is Football Social Daily. There ain't no podcast that does what we do. That's daily Premier League chat covering off all the latest news from the best football league in the world in podcast form. If you like what we do, then listen, subscribe, review, however you listen to your podcasts. I am Jim Salverson. In the Sports Social Studio today, I've got Marley Anderson. Hello. And I've got Fergal Brennan. Hello. So today we're going to be talking West Ham. The board at West Ham are on the offensive. David Gold, David Sullivan and Karen Brady have all been talking over the last few days about their football club ahead of planned protests this weekend before the Everton game. But have they just made all a whole lot worse? We'll talk about those comments very shortly. We'll also talk about Manchester United as they do the opposite of strengthen this window by shipping out players before they begin shipping in. And we'll cover off the latest transfer goss as per usual. And as it's Friday, we'll get some fancy football tips from the guru Kieran as well to hold off your triple captain for the time being. But as it's Friday, should we start the weekend with a review, gents? Yeah. yeah. Why not? Why not? Let's so do it. If you fancy leaving us a review, however you listen to your podcasts, be it Spotify or iTunes or whatever, then you will probably get a shout-out on the show. And today's shout-out goes to Ben, who says, Fantastic podcast. Best listener around. Five stars from Ben. He says, I've only started listening a few months back, but you guys have already become a vital part of my daily routine. Marley and Fergal are definitely my favourites. Yes. Wow. Yes, Very ben. funny guys. Like I like this emoji. guy, yeah. He says, cheers for making my promise, day. Promise every we time. don't know, Ben. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you don't. Uh, every day, I look forward to listening to you every day. Keep up the great work. So this is Ben's ideal podcast today. We've got Marley and Fergal. Just yeah, like looking by you. Yeah. Huh? Just let down by you. Well, I, I don't know what he's talking about because I'm the funny one. <laughs> ben, Ben, you've got it all wrong. Please try and pay more attention in the future. Uh, wow. So thank you very much for your review, Ben. If you want to leave us a review, please do. You'll get a shout out on the podcast at some point in the future. We, we also got a DM to, uh, to Twitter uh, from, uh, from a guy living in Utah wow. in America. Said it was a great podcast uh, oh. called Colin. 
Very Colin nice. So thank you, Colin. Cheers, Colin. Thanks for that, mate. What a guy. So as usual on these podcasts, um, I'm going to twist the agenda around to talking about the banter club that is West Ham United. <laughs> sure. But today there's a little bit of a legitimate reason for talking about West Ham because the natives are getting very restless in East London right now. There's protests planned ahead of this weekend's game against Everton and the board, before the protests have even happened, have gone on the offensive. Karen Brady, David Gold... David Sullivan have all been on the PR offensive this week, but whoever their PR man is, they need to sack him and find a new one because it has not gone well. The icing on this particular PR disaster cake was the interview last night with David Gold on Talk Sport, which seems to have stirred up a whole load of trouble. In particular, his comments about the promises that were made to West Ham fans. And we've all talked about these promises before that, by leaving Upton Park and going to Olympic Stadium, it would take the club onto the next level. <laughs> it would be able to mean they could sign better players, get in a new manager, etc., etc., etc. We'll go through all the promises in a minute, actually. But he said last night that those promises were not set in stone. Surely the point in a promise <laughs> is that it is set in stone. It's something that you aim to achieve. That's yeah, what, that's what a promise is, isn't it? You'd think so, wouldn't you? What, you would if it didn't come out of the mouth of David Gould. Yes. <laughs> I mean, there's when you look at his interview, and obviously, as you say, Sullivan and Brady as well, there's there's backtracking, and then there's this, mm. uh, which is, 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 again, as Marley said, you'd like to sit here and say it's unbelievable, but when you're dealing with the likes of these uh, owners and the, their mentality and, and their pretty much disregard for supporters in any club they've ever been involved in, um, it's almost par for the course. I just think... I just don't know what, as you say, from from a PR point of view, I don't know what they think they're going to get from this. They realise that fans are annoyed. They realise the situation's been antagonised. Now, I'm not saying they come out and give some sort of dry statement of just a load of cliches, oh, you know, we're very sorry about this, we're looking for the future, blah, 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 blah. But there's an enormous amount of middle ground that isn't going on national radio or doing interviews with national newspapers, essentially criticising the fans for being, quote, unrealistic when that unrealistic mentality has been created by you and your false promises. Is it a case of just trying to play down those expectations suddenly? I mean, it is backtracking, isn't it? It's almost the equivalent of West Ham fans have gone, we're going to protest this weekend against Everton. And it's that mum in the supermarket who goes, <laughs> if you're going to cry, I'm going to give you something to cry about. <laughs> they like, going, well, here's something you can really protest about. Uh, yeah, and I think if you're going to... Yeah, you use a good example. And I think... The, the owners are treating the fans like children. I don't think that's too far away from, from the truth. Um, most supporters will say, yeah, we didn't expect these things to happen overnight, but we're talking about a period of uh, over a, a decade now that they've been in charge mm. and that they've had a controlling stake in the club. They've had influence at every level. Fans are realistic. You know, three, four, five years, you expect to see some sort of turnaround. We're looking at a situation, I was reading something this morning, where West Ham are in exactly the same position on this day 10 years ago when they just <laughs> took over. They're 16th in the table and, you know, worryingly looking over in their shoulder at relegation. And these individuals have got the nerve to say to supporters, well, I think you're being a bit unrealistic. Is this we've a, done this, we've done this. Is Come this on. a reassessment of objectives then? Is this them going, well, we now realise that we're not going to reach the promised land, we're not going to get Champions League football, so you have to prepare yourself for a relegation battle. I mean, David Gold also said in this interview that he sees himself being the West Ham chairman for the rest of his life. 
which yeah, he's old he, anyway. Though, he he can, yeah, so long. yeah, and if he continues making statements like this, I'm not sure how long that's going to be. <laughs> so he's, but, he's, I mean, he's going to be dead by Saturday night if these protests go upon. As far as his tenure is concerned, is that it? Is that it for West Ham fans? Is that all they can expect? Is bobbling along, either mid-table relegation battle to spice things up every now and again, get into the fourth round of the FA Cup. Is that it? Maybe. maybe. The the sort of statement in the interview kind of sounded like it was it was one of them where he's gone, ah, right, we've got a new stadium, we've spent money and we're still a bit crap. Uh, I need to tell the fans that we tried. <laughs> In case you know. not realised. Yeah, like oh, you know, he's, like you say, he's trying to dampen down expectations. Where, but he was the one who built them up in the first place by somehow buying into this this myth that a new stadium makes you a, a better team. It doesn't. It's the players on the pitch that make mm. a make you a better team, and how you play uh, on a Saturday at three o'clock or whenever you play, like. You need you need so much more than in, in just a big new fancy stadium that no one even likes. I'm pretty sure if you asked ninety percent of West Ham fans would think they'd rather be back at the Berlin, hmm. uh, Upton oh, yeah, Park. So, although the, I think a lot of that is down. I mean, the Olympic Stadium is not a football stadium. No, it's, it's just, not. It's just, just an Olympic arena. stadium. Yeah. And most people who have moved to new stadiums, they prefer their old stadiums. They prefer the proximity and yep. the noise you get in an old stadium compared to the new style. Yeah. I think Spurs but have done a it lot well. of that has got to be to do with the results that are being re- re- recent results and the way the team yeah. are playing on the pitch. If West Ham had gone on to achieve what was promised and gone on to those fourth place finishes or whatever it is, I'm sure West Ham fans wouldn't have so much of a problem about the Olympic Stadium. It just becomes yeah. a stick with yeah. which to beat the ball. Yeah, it's it's just another thing of, that they've got wrong in it. Like mm-hmm. you've got the another we're not we're not <laughs> we're not good on the pitch. We're not getting the right players. We haven't got the right manager. We've gone back to our old manager. Oh, and by the way, the stadium's a bit crap, and you, the closest you sit to the pitch is about hundred meters away. Interestingly, on the manager stuff, if you listen to David Sullivan's interview that he gave in the Evening Standard, he talks about the appointment of Manuel Pellegrini as a manager and the idea that a director of football was brought in, and describes both those things as a mistake. And he says they should have stuck with David Moyes in the first place. This is what worries me about the future of the football club. It's a fundamental misunderstanding of modern football. The idea that yeah, the director of the football was the director of football was the issue, rather than actually the character they brought in. The idea that bringing in a high-profile manager like Manuel Pellegrini was a problem, when actually to most people, bringing in a manager that had gone off to China, whose probably powers were on the wane, who was at the end of his career, rather than bringing in a young, exciting manager, was probably the better solution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, though, isn't it? Like they seem to deal in it very well. Like, oh, we got that wrong, but at the time they're like, "This is brilliant. We've got a Premier League winning manager. That's going to propel us on. We've got a new manager and a new stadium. How can this possibly go wrong?" Yeah. And then it's like, you know, eighteen months down the line or a year down the line or whatever it's whatever it's been, it's like, ah, oh, we got this wrong. And it's like, well, you've got hindsight is for fans to look back at and say we got that wrong whereas people running <laughs> football clubs should be the ones Living in with, the here and with now. foresight like to see what's actually happening in the future that's how you build a business that's how you build a football team mm. that's how you build your life you don't you don't say oh no I shouldn't have had that kid <laughs> at 21 <laughs> like, that you... was a private conversation with me and you Marley <laughs> <laughs> I mean my question to you guys is and you're an Arsenal fan Fergal you're a Newcastle fan Marley We've all seen our fair share of civil unrest amongst fan bases oh, yeah. over the last decade or so. Just a bit. Do West Ham fans have anything to complain about, really? I'm going to set out... This is I've got the 10-point plan that 
David Golden Sullivan set out when they took over the, the football club a decade ago, as you say. These are the 10 points that they promised they would achieve, the 10 things that they th- they said that West Ham would become. They said they'd appoint the right manager. They said <laughs> they'd sign new players. They didn't specify good new players, they just said new players. These are just all general points so far, anyway. More this in, is just a yeah. Wikipedia copy and paste. It's quite, it is quite general. More investment in the academy, continue to clear the debt, freeze season ticket prices... Build the status and image of the club. Make it enjoyable to come and watch. Get closer to the community. Go to the Olympic Stadium. Listen to supporters. Um, Show me any other plan from any other owners <laughs> that wouldn't have at least eight of those points in. That's what everyone says. Yeah. I think when you look at that list, there's maybe two that have been fully achieved, five that are just vague points that are just copy and pasted from somewhere else. Yeah. Um, and I think this this is the issue. In, in like my opening a Word document. Do you want to set out the future for a club? <laughs> Here's a template for you. To All be right, honest, okay. yeah, basically the, the chairman of your football club is that little paperclip that pops up <laughs> and goes, it looks like you're having trouble running a football club. He'll be getting the blame next. There'll be a statement from David Gold blaming him next. The paperclip told me to do it. Um, I just think when, when you look at the situation do West Ham have a, do West Ham fans have a have a reason to be annoyed when they're 16th in the table and, and still in a relegation battle yeah they, they do because no club wants to see themselves in that situation but I think in terms of league position and where they are no maybe not because they are with all due respect in that kind of mid-table block of sides but mm. when you look at the way they've been patronised and the way that they've been sold false promises and the way again you know we're laughing about these 10 things that were written down we're talking about owners of a football club that have the neck to say these things to fans after moving their stadium, disrupting their life, disrupting their club, and then to turn around and say, you're the ones being unrealistic, then yeah, I do think West Ham fans have a point. I think on the pitch in their league finishes, maybe not so much, but I think when you know when the evidence is laid out in front of us like this, and we're all laughing, Jim's not laughing, kind of holding back the tears, <laughs> I think they do have a point because they're having the absolute mickey taken out of them. I think I'm going to try and be devil's advocate here and I'm going to talk about the positives that David Gold and Sullivan have brought to the football club. And we talked recently about the West Ham being one of the 20 richest clubs in the the world, which is an incredible achievement for a club that a decade ago was on the brink of financial disaster. And if we're going to pick a positive from the tenure, I think that is it, that David Gold and Sullivan have bought a club from the verge of bankruptcy into a place where they have a financially stable future. Mm. They describe themselves in this interview, I think it was David Gold, described themselves as the cheapest board in the Premier League, mainly because they don't take salaries. They take huge profits off the loans that they have loaned to the club, the money they've loaned to the club, which I imagine has much better tax implications than taking a straight salary from the club, which is probably why they do it. But (laughs) if you look at that from a purely financial basis and the way the club has been run as a business... You've got to say, fair play, you've done all right. The negative, the problem we have here is that they have made these promises. They have, even though they weren't set in stone, apparently, they've made these promises to a fan promises. base and they've regaled on those promises. And now it looks like, to all intents and purposes, they w- never had any intention of following up those promises in the first place. And but, that's hugely damaging. Yeah, I would. I mean, listen, when you look at the, the facts and figures down on a piece of paper, yes, they've brought the club a, a long way in terms of its financial stability, but. Supporters care about what goes on on the pitch, trophies in the cabinet, etc., etc., etc. But it wouldn't even be so bad, and this is why it's such a PR disaster, if they'd gone on the offensive and used that as the kind of 
the kind of golden piece of information of yes, but look at what we've done at the club financially. Mm. Look at look at the stability we have now. The fact that we're not in this crippling debt anymore. They haven't. They've essentially attacked supporters. And I think West Ham fans would have been way more reasonable if they'd said, look, we realise you're annoyed about this and these things haven't been kept to, but look at where we are compared to where we were a decade ago. But they haven't done that. And what they've really done is they've kicked down on supporters. And in my opinion, fair play to West Ham fans for reacting and saying, we're not going to take this. It'll be interesting to see what happens at the protests this weekend. There is a protest planned before the game against Everton. If you cast your mind back to a couple of seasons ago, there were protests around the Burnley or after, directly after the Burnley game, the 3-0 loss to Burnley at the Olympic Stadium. And it did have a positive impact on, albeit the short term, of the club at that point. There was investment in the following window. So we'll see what happens this weekend. Are they, um, are they having... Are they trying to get the taxpayer to pay for the protest? <laughs> David Moyes is going to come out to the gates and plead, plead with everybody. Come on. There'll be a bucket. Have you noticed uh, on your paycheck this week, a little added 1%? <laughs> West Ham protests, that one. Uh, right, let's talk about a club that makes West Ham look like a well-oiled machine, Manchester United, who appear to have let Ashley Young leave to Inter Milan. I mean, it's pretty much a done deal. By the time you listen to this podcast, it could well be a done deal. A figure around £1.3, £1.5 million pounds involved. Firstly, is this a good move for Young and is it a good move for Manchester United? It's a good move for Young. 34 years old, 35 in the summer. Uh, you get a two-year contract, to, uh, you know, spend the last two years of your playing career in Milan. That's I'd take that. You'd take that. Anyone would take that, wouldn't they? Great, great move for him. Um, Man United need to get rid of some deadwood, but I think Young, look, he's not the best, but he's solid and he's better than... Like, like Luke Shaw's not playing brilliantly. No, Brandon Williams, if he he's doing all right, but he's still very inexperienced. Yeah, club captain going for one and a half million quid. It just doesn't seem brilliant. Like, it doesn't seem amazing business. Like, it's a bit of a cliche, isn't it? You that need to get someone in before you get him out. It's a bit of a cliche that clubs need leaders. But actually, yeah. in that United team, he is one of the leaders. He's yeah. one of the more established Con- senior professionals. Considering the guys they've sold, like in the summer, obviously, like Lukaku went, and everyone's like, he's banging in goals now, and people are like, oh well, maybe they shouldn't have got rid of him. But mm. they absolutely, they absolutely should because he was sulking and he was moaning and he was just not, he was he was just going kind of down tools and get progressively worse. Whereas Young is Young's different. Young's like, if he's unhappy, he'll play. He'll give you a sort of seven out of ten. If he's happy, he might give you an eight out of ten. But if he's he's not going to upset the apple cart really. But he has he's asked for the the move like the move. Obviously, the offers came in. He said, "Yeah, I fancy that." Two years in Milan. Yep, yep. I'll have that. Thank you. What worries me goes. a little bit about this move? If I was a United fan looking at it, I'd be slightly concerned about the way the move has come about because mm. it doesn't look like Manchester United initially wanted him to leave. And reportedly, this is according to the Sun. So take it however you want to take it, he walked out of training and was refusing to train and forcing the move through, which it's the, that kind of thing that hints to an unhappy camp within a club. Yeah, and particularly, as Marley said, when you're talking about someone of his age, of his experience, and the general idea that you get from United fans is that he's a fairly solid character, that he wouldn't, as you say, down tools and, and walk out of training. So if, if and it is a big if, if that is the case, uh, on some level, even if he's just kind of said, I want to leave, then that demonstrates if you've got someone that has built a career on, whilst not being the greatest footballer in the world, but being a consistent professional, mm. knowing exactly what it takes to be a Premier League footballer, and and kind of a, a bit of a, he's a he's a bit of a company man, company with a C, not with a K. That is, um, 
for him to be in that situation, yeah, it doesn't look good. Uh, and it doesn't present United in a good light, doesn't present Solskjaer in a good light. Are there going to be many United fans crying a tear over third choice left back, uh, 34 years of age, leaving the club? No. But what it symbolises and what it shows where United potentially are, there might be a little bit more worry for that. We talk about players getting bought in before they get released and Manchester United are thin on the ground in numbers at the moment, but they seem to have a hell of a problem bringing in players, including Bruno Fernandes at the moment with the longest running transfer saga in the history of transfer sagas. This is getting on to be as long as the Wesley Schneider to Man United. Is it three windows now? Yep. Three windows they've been trying to sign Bruno Fernandes. Why can't they do it? Uh, who knows? Incompetence, I would say, would be the <laughs> short answer. It's the guy, they need the paperclip. To clip his contract together, that's what they need. Yeah. I uh, told you to go and buy them paperclips. Yeah. It just seems, I mean, the, it, on you look at the deal, it makes sense. Bruno Fernandes wants to play for Manchester United. Yeah. Bruno Fernandes is a better midfielder than the majority of Manchester United's yeah. midfield. Manchester United have the money to buy Bruno Fernandes. Yeah. Why don't the pieces fit together? Why can't they get it over the line? I just think it's it's how it, I think it's how it's structured, isn't it? It's the whole breakdown of what we pay now, what we pay in incentives. Um, I think Sampdoria have a big uh, sell-on clause. I think it's about ten percent. So you're looking at like six and a half million quid mm. um, to go to them. Uh, I think as well, his, his agents, as they do in the modern game, require quite a lot. It's George Mendes, um, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and I seen uh, something the other day that said. Um, of the sixty-five million, if it's if it is sixty-five million, uh, Sporting will only get thirty-seven of it because of all the money going to different parties right. and everyone wants their slice. So it, it's probably that. They're probably like I'm assuming Man United is trying to iron out as much bull as they can really and say, well, you don't need that much mm. and we don't need that much. Um, we don't need to pay that much kind of thing. So. I'm assuming that's that's a hold up, but it doesn't look good for Ed for fans when they're seeing Ed Woodward. Uh, not close a deal because it's an accountant. It does remind me of Aaron Wambasaka coming to Manchester United when Crystal Palace were rejecting deal after deal because yep. Manchester United were going, well, we'll pay you half the money when we win the Champions League. <laughs> when we play our first game on the moon, you can have a couple of extra million. <laughs> yeah. It's like stuff that's not achieving and not going to happen. And it feels like they're doing exactly the same with Bruno Fernandes. Yeah, and I think... Uh, if they're not careful, that's what will ultimately scupper the deal, and it'll be a fourth window where they'll be they'll be looking to bring him in. And I think this is United in a microcosm at the moment, and particularly uh, United fans' unhappiness with Ed Woodward and the way he's dealing with club business. This deal should have been done. I'm not, you know, I'm not even going to hark back to the days of Alex Ferguson, but in the past, United would have had this deal done, and they would have had it done for two reasons: the force of the club would have meant that the the other player would have pushed that move on his end mm. and also the likes of David Gill and people involved in the club in the past would have just assured that this deal was done. United are now, as, as we're here on 17th of January, in danger of missing out on him again and the way that will then look is he's rejected United. There's only so long this narrative of, ooh, just didn't get the email sent on time or just mm. missed this or the paperclip, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> this now is getting into the stage of Bruno Fernandes has turned down United. And if he does, that potentially has a big knock-on effect for players they want to bring in in the summer. Surely another player, another club will come in for him. If, it, if yeah. the United deal drags on and on and on, someone else is going to pick up that interest. They will. Surely. They will. And Tottenham were interested in, or reportedly interested in him in the summer. Um, he's a really good player and I think he's he's quite well suited to the Premier League. I think mm. there's things about his game that he'd need to, to change. I think the physicality is something that he'd need to improve on. But 
just a word on Sporting Lisbon. I think one of the reasons they're playing their cards quite close to their chest, don't forget 18 months ago, they had a bit of a financial meltdown. They had first-team players walking out. Rui yeah. Patricio went to Wolves. Um, G- uh, G- Gelson, Gelson Martins went to Atletico Madrid. Took them nearly a year to get the money off Wolves for, for Patricio. They're also safeguarding themselves. So I think this could go right the way up until the wire. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if it doesn't get done. We're going to talk more about other transfers very shortly. We've got Chelsea. We've got more news from Manchester United, Leicester City, Aston Villa, all in the mix for that. And we're going to get some fancy football advice from the guru, Kieran. We'll do that shortly on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily, Premier League updates. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. Let's talk transfers in what has been a really quiet transfer window so far. We're just expecting that one big deal to happen and everything's going to kind of domino into place. We're going to kick off with Aston Villa, who want Mwanda Samata from Genk as a... You're laughing at my pronunciation, <laughs> or, yeah. or the potential pronoun- or the potential transfer itself. It was the the confidence at which you said it. Yeah. Said it just uh, just blew me away. I was, I was confident before I said it, and then you know when you start, it's like when you go away on holiday <laughs> and you think I know how to say Tavetha, I know how to say Tavetha, and then you go Shavaja when you say it to a barman. Anyway, it's kind of that. But Villa are in a hard position at the moment. They need to replace Tom Heaton. They've done that with Pepe Reina on loan. They need to replace Wesley, but at the same time, there's some issues with FFP and the amount of money they've spent in the last six months to get into the Premier League and also once they're in the Premier League. Also, they look like they're facing relegation, so they don't want to have a massive outlay. Does this fella seem like a decent option? He's got a decent record, 43 goals in 98 games, which is a consistent record, but not in the greatest league in the world. Yeah, um, the the issue with this is it's all in for Aston Villa. Um, if this deal doesn't work out, if Samata isn't able to score the goals to keep them up, then they'll go down. Simple as that. Um, I wouldn't necessarily be convinced that Wesley was going to score the goals to keep them up anyway, but this poor fella is going to have all this put on his shoulders of you need to save us. You know, mm. we've spent all this money, blah, 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 blah. Um, for me personally, this, it sounds like a recipe for disaster. Um, January is so difficult to get the right player in, particularly a striker, because generally there's more pressure on them to score the goals to get you to achieve your objectives. Um, I'm not saying I would go against it. He does look like a good player. His, his stats, as you say, are quite decent. Watched him playing against Liverpool in the Champions League this season. Scored against Liverpool. And he, and he, and he was good. He, you know, he, he gave them a bit of a tough ride over, over the two games. But... For me, all the things that you've just laid out, Jim, this spells disaster for me. I can you can almost see it in your mind's eye how this is going to play out, um, and I just think it's it's a difficult situation that Villa find themselves in, throwing money at these things, just absolutely, just like Scrooge McDuck or the opposite of Scrooge McDuck, mm. uh, doesn't work. Ten million quid though, Marley. That's mm-hmm. not a lot of money in this market. I was going to say if you can get a guy over over the line for ten million, like. Yeah, there's pressure on him, but also if you then offload him in six months, you're probably going to get most of that 10 million back. Like, nobody really goes for less than 10 million these days. So even if he scores, like, you know, five or six goals to the end of the season, people might see enough of him to say, well, we'll we'll cherry pick him when Mm. they go down. So it's it's one of them, like, it it is a risk, but at the same time, it's as risk-free as you can get, really, because the last thing you want to be doing is going out and spending... 25, 30 million, and then six months later you're, you're down back in the championship and you've got him stuck on the wage bill again. So, I don't know, maybe if they can get that deal over the line, you've got to take that risk as Villa because at the minute they literally have no strikers fit and available. 
Giroud looked point. like the sensible choice, didn't it? That looked like the deal for Aston Villa, but it looks like yeah, Giroud's got better deals on the table. Yeah, he's got... No offence to Villa, but he's got better offers than six months in the Midlands in a relegation <laughs> fight, so... Yeah. Let's move on to Chelsea. Their favourites to sign RB Leipzig's German striker Timo Werner. 23 years old. He wants to play in the Premier League. Liverpool have also been mentioned as a potential destination. This is coming from the German paper Bild as well. Bild. What do you think? I mean, he, he feels like a decent fit for Lampard. And it seems to be an area that Lampard wants to strengthen as well. Mm, yeah, I think he's somebody that quite a few sides, not just in England, Spain, Bayern Munich also were linked with him as they look to kind of, you know, just vulture other sides in the Bundesliga. Um, I think he'd really suit Chelsea's system. I think he'd really suit the Premier League, the type of player that he is. The issue for me is, yeah, Lampard is looking to strengthen and look to have another option to Abraham, but... Chelsea have consistently played with one up front for a long time now. A lot of other teams will have moved things around and maybe played a three that's quite narrow or, or going back to an old school mm. kind of front two. Chelsea haven't done that. Going as far back as even someone like Drogba, then it was Diego Costa, then it was Morata briefly. They haven't had a situation where they've played somebody either behind a main striker or a front two for some time. So if Werner was to come in, what happens to Tammy Abraham? Because I don't see them two working together. Mm. Uh, I think they're quite similar in, in the way that they play. Because I, I always yeah. thought yeah. Timo Werner was kind of that. <coughs> no, he has other placement. No, no, he'll, he'll play through the middle. He plays through the middle it's for Germany as well. Okay, similar kind of player to like Aubameyang, like really, really fast, amazing finisher, two feet, uh, very good on his, on his left side as well as his right. Um, I think the only reason Bayern have, have said this like recently this month that. Um, they don't play the type of way to get hit the best out of him if they signed him because they have like a penalty box predator like Lewandowski. There's not much space because they have so much of the ball. There's not much space uh, in behind defences. Right. So Werner is like a guy who'll play on the shoulder and he'll get in behind rather than you know build it up to him and just sort of rely on his physicality in the box like they do with Lewandowski. Um, so he's kind of for that for those reasons he suits England because. You know, the the spacing behind teams and no one really, uh, you know, like just jams the box in hopes of the best except Newcastle. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, you can see that. But again, it's Abraham, isn't it? Like where the It's clear he wants Abraham plus one more striker mm. and not the two that he's got already. Um, so maybe, maybe he's got a system in his head, maybe three at the back and two up front or something like that. So... We'll have to see, but I can't see. I just can't see him coming this this month. I think it's all too quick. I think he's a summer. He's he's, he's going to cost that much money that he's going to and have that much hype. He has to have a full preseason behind him if you're going to sort of rely on him to score you 25 goals or something. One deal that looks like it could happen in the summer rather than this window is Edison Cavani, who's been offered to Manchester United by PSG, which is a weird one because they're saying you can have him in the summer. But in the summer, he doesn't feel like a good option for Manchester United. No. If they want to bring him in, if they want an established striker, they want him now, <laughs> this window, for the rest of this season. They want him today because Rashford's injured on Sunday, yeah. isn't he, as well? Yeah, exactly. Apparently. So he's like a short-term option. Whereas in the summer, you'd imagine, this is according to the Evening News, this is being reported, the Manchester Evening News. If you imagine in the summer, they'd be looking more to a permanent replacement, something a bit more long-term than Edison Cavani. Yeah, I think this is actually, if it was to go ahead, would be quite a smart bit of business for United. It's being framed as like another Zlatan situation, but I don't think it is. Cavani's someone that's consistently scored goals, um, really good link-up play. We talked before about leaders and, you know, with someone like Young leaving and absence of experience and, and leaders on the pitch. Cavani offers all that. Um, 
And I just think, yeah, you're right. It's, it's the way that it's phrased. If he joins in the summer at Cena's, what are United doing bringing him, him mm. in? Th- 33, I think he is? 32 now. 32, He'll be sorry. 33 by the summer. Um, whereas in January, it's framed in a different way. But if they can get it over the line, uh, he's on relatively big wages, but United can afford that, let's be honest. Um I think it'd be a smart piece of business. I think he's exactly the type of player that someone like Rashford can can learn off. Um, obviously, you've got Mason Greenwood as well. Anthony Martial's not beyond learning a few tricks to improve his consistency. Um, I think this would be a really interesting one. There's almost like a um, football manager signing if he does eventually end up at Old Trafford. But I think it'd be. I do think it will be a really good piece of business, particularly if they can get him for either free or a kind of nominal mm. payment to, to PSG. Shift some shirts too, wouldn't he? Right, we'll do one more transfer before we get on to the fantasy football chat, and that is from Leicester City, who are apparently lining up Southampton left-back Ryan Bertrand. This is according to the Daily Mail. This is all to replace Ben Chilwell, who is a target for Chelsea. And, I mean, this says more to me about Chilwell's future than it does about Bertrand's future, because we were talking two days ago about Luke Shaw being targeted by Leicester City. Now they're talking about Ryan Bertrand. It looks like Chilwell might be off in this window, and it's just Leicester City need a replacement lined up before he does so. Yeah, and I think it it sends a bit of a worrying sign for Leicester where they are. Rodgers has worked so hard to put them in the position that they are, and he, you know, was constantly said that if they want to achieve their objectives, they want to stay in the top four, they need to keep that kind of core of excellent players mm. and Chilwell is definitely one of them if he was to leave obviously they're talking about talk of Manchester City in the summer I think that shows worryingly for Leicester fans the direction they're heading in they do not want to become a selling club they mm. don't want to become somewhere where the bigger sides with all due respect to Leicester come to go oh I'll take him I'll take him and I'll take him because yeah. if they do and they they develop a reputation for that they're going to, you know, it's going to continue to roll on for the next two, three seasons, and they're going to find themselves slipping down into mid-table. They do face a real battle to keep hold of him, um, and I think from his point of view, he's probably looking longer term. Chelsea are going to be more successful than Leicester over the next few seasons. You would, you would think. Obviously, there's no guarantee of that. Uh, he's obviously thinking of his England future, um, and I, th- I think it's a difficult one to see it again, as Marley said with, with Werner. It's a difficult one to see it. The amount of work it would take in the next two weeks to get it over the line in January. But I definitely do see him moving on in the near future, and that's that's worrying for Leicester. As for Bertrand, they've been linked with him in the past. Um, he's quite solid. Obviously, ex Chelsea himself, he might be able to give uh, Chilwell a few tips where to go for a nice meal. Really or hot maybe prospect get... <laughs> at Chelsea, wasn't he? I mean, I remember yeah. when he burst through onto the scene. He was seen as a future England left back, and he's kind of dropped off. Didn't he lose his Southampton place to? Is it Matt Target? Yeah, the, the other and now he's back. gone to to Villa. He's a Villa, but now, he's yeah. but he's got Bertrand, his Bertrand Southampton captain though. Now. Yeah, was he? So. But that's, that would also old, be a worry a for old. them as well. He's a bit old, isn't he? He's about 28, 29. Mm. Uh, he, he's one of them, isn't he? He's like, it's just clear that they are looking for life beyond Chilwell if the worst happens. But I don't know. With with Chilwell, you definitely see how this season goes and see what happens. And then, you like, let's say they qualify for the Champions League. Stay in the Champions League. Have a season with Leicester. They might be out by... They might get knocked out in the group stages. And then this time next year... You're at Leicester, they're not in the Champions League. And then you can maybe look for a move. For a move. He's only 23, 24, is he? So <clears throat> he's, he's, got, he's got plenty of time. Keep your game time. Yeah. Stay at Leicester Just City. Just stay. And... I don't see... Yeah. like They don't want to become like Southampton were a few years ago mm. when they were doing well and all of a sudden everyone went, right, we'll have Mane, we'll have Van Dijk, uh, we'll have Tadic, we'll have um, anyone else they had. Um, so... Just stay, just because stay, see how it goes. They're finished as get a, better. They're finished as a European qualifier if they do that. Yeah, it's not finished as English. 
<laughs> to use an old joke. Right, let's move on to fantasy football. Please welcome to the Sports Social Studio, the guru. Namaste, Kieran. <laughs> Namaste. Right, we've got some fantasy football questions for you. You're going to do your best to guide our listeners through the fantasy football quagmire of the next few days. You did really well last week, I've got to say. You've got some top mm. tips, like some good recommendations of players in there. Yeah, even my last-minute one, which uh, I chopped through on the social account. Yeah, um, very good. Because uh, Lampard announced that uh, Pulisic is injured for a couple of weeks. And so I suddenly thought, oh, Hudson-Odoi's a good shout. And he, he cropped up with a goal. Very so good. good. So you need to keep that run going this week. So your three questions today. First one from Alex says, mm. how do I navigate this double game week? Now, it's a double game week for only two clubs, Liverpool and West Ham. Is it time for Alex to play his free hit, he wants to know? Ooh. Um, I'd say it's probably too early for a free hit, only because we don't know what the back end of the season is going to shape up yeah. like, uh, especially with the winter break. And you're assuming that once you, once you get into sort of quarter semi-finals of FA Cup, it's going to be a lot more churn than essentially just one team. I think the only change you're going to look at in the next couple of weeks is um, making sure you have as many Liverpool players as possible. And outside that, you're not really going to be looking at other teams. Um, so there's only I, two teams. Should Alex have played ahead, planned ahead, really, and been kind of creeping Liverpool players into his team rather than now at this stage going, mm. I need more Liverpool players? Yeah, so there's still time if you've got, you know, to get an extra one or two in. Uh, the problem is Liverpool players are very expensive. Mm. So you have to normally do major surgery on squads if you haven't already got them in. Uh, I have been saying it for the past couple of podcasts, so I would suggest if you have been listening to the past couple of podcasts, then you would have already stepped in to make those changes. Um, but in terms of advice, uh, it's tricky because you're really looking at premium players. You're looking at Saleh, um, uh, Salah and Mane, mm. um, who are the most expensive midfielders in the game. And then you're looking at Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold for maximum coverage. Um and they are the most expensive defenders in the game. Slightly easier to get two premium defenders and a premium midfielder than two premium mids. That's the route I've gone down. Um, outside of that, if you're looking at cheap alternatives, Gomez is still looking like a cheap way into clean sheets. But obviously, you're not essentially getting the benefit mm. of Alexander Arnold being a winger and getting um, as much as you would Madison for assists and then getting the clean sheets on top, which is why he's such an attractive option. So try and pay attention previously, Alex, and you won't have to ask these questions now. <laughs> right, Emma says, Aubameyang is banned for three matches. I've had him since day one. What do I do now? Do I transfer out or do I just ride out the ban and hope I hang on to any value that's built up? Uh, depends on the rest of your team. Um, a good way of releasing funds. So if you haven't got Salah Mane, um, Robertson or uh, Alexander Arnold, then that's a good way of, of getting the money to be able to do those changes. Because um, three games is a long time. Yeah. It's a long time to play it, especially when you're moving into a double game week. Even if you weren't, I would suggest getting another premium player in is good over three game weeks. But if you're looking at double Liverpool across one of them, I think it's a no-brainer to make that choice and jump. Outside of Liverpool, uh, probably uh, it's a tough one because other premium forwards, you'd have to pay more to get Aguero mm. in. So not quite straight swap, but he's looking very attractive again. The obvious pylon that always comes from a player scoring a hat-trick. Yep. Um, I had Aguero captain last week, by the way, mm. just to have the full adulation from fantasy football followers. No, I didn't. See, I, as a City fan, I'm moving away from City players because I think it makes more sense on paper <laughs> and have got uh, stung by my own uh, fatality there. So, um, yes, I would say uh, outside of that, probably Vardy with Kane being injured, okay. I think. Well, that's the next question, actually, from Craig. Concerns Jamie Vardy. Craig has been holding off getting in Jamie Vardy for weeks now, tempted every week, and keeps on thinking he's too expensive. The value went up again this week. Is he still worth 
don't know what he's worth now. It was 10 million before, so... Uh, 10.1 so is, is he, Vardy. Is, is he worth 10.1 million, Jamie Vardy? Well, he's got more points than every other striker in the game. And would you spend 11.8 on Aguero? You would, yeah. because you have him. So I think it still makes sense. Uh, points for... Well, no, actually, points... For a spend, he's not, he's not the highest, but he is the highest overall. So he makes a great, continually great captain option. Um, and City have a tricky run coming up. So Vardy's my go-to captain for the foreseeable, outside that double game week run, obviously going with Salah. So um, if you haven't already got him in already, you might want to use that money to get Liverpool players in. Um, but if you're already banked up on your Liverpool players, then I, I still think he's a no-brainer. There you go, Craig. Do it now or live to regret it. The Guru, Kieran, thank you very much. Thank you. Right, that is it for Football Social Daily. Marley, Fergal, thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast. You'll get the next one as soon as it's ready. You can hear Fergal again on tomorrow morning's podcast. That'll be a full preview of all the latest Premier League action, every Premier League game that's happening over the weekend. And we'll see you then on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.